Hello team, it's Fab here, founder and head teacher at All Marketing School and your Marketing BFF. I want to remind you that there is a special invitation for you to join us for the ALT Marketing Certification. Get certified as a positive impact strategy and make people fall in love with you and your work. Reclaim your time, understand the marketing foundations with a positive impact spin. If you are a marketing freelancer who wants to raise the quality of services and do more with less, or maybe you are an early stage marketeer ready to invest to gain real experience in building a strategy with purpose, or you're a marketing leader who wants to be recognized as a go-to expert and tackle new growth challenges. Whether you are beginners or whether you have some confidence into your strategy, we want to support you. We want to help you achieve your strategic goals, toss confettis in the air, and blast your favorite hype song as you get through eight incredible weeks with me and the rest of our faculty. Think about our certification as marketing training at university standards, not prices. So if you're ready to join us and you want to check out our incredible curriculum, all you have to do is go to amschool.click slash certification. I repeat, amschool.click slash certification to find out more and learn what you are going to go through in our eight weeks. From marketing foundations all the way to leadership and storytelling skills, we're also going to cover strategic marketing blocks and advanced marketing tools. Plus, you get workshops, seats, group work, and even timely panels with incredible experts in the field. So what are you waiting for? No, I mean it. Our next cohort is starting real soon. So make sure that you head to amschool.click slash certification to come and join us and learn how to market to hearts, not to brains. Welcome to Alt Marketing School. We are currently bringing together a new wave of marketers, just like yourself. We want to provide you with the skills to speak to your audience perfectly, empower clients with winning strategies to market their brands, champion their values, and make a positive impact in the online world. My name is Fab, and I'm your host. May the class begin. Hello, gorgeous human, and welcome back, awesome marketer, I should also say, to Alt Marketing School. In today's episode, yes, yet another interview, we're going to be talking about one of my favorite things, learning. I know, I know, I created a certification for marketers because I genuinely love teaching, but I also love learning myself. Yes, I'm a geek at heart. And I think I found one person in this whole world who loves learning more than me. Not seriously, I'm not joking. The incredible human I'm talking about is JJ Ruescas. And JJ comes from a tech and software development background, but nowadays he uses his expertise in those realms to improve the personal development of individuals. You see, six years ago, JJ made a promise that changed his life, not finishing a single day without a 10-minute learning session. More than 2,000 days and 22,000 minutes later, he developed his own method of learning that he calls optimal learning. And if you want to know what optimal learning looks like, well... You are in luck because today you're going to be hearing all about it. JJ is here to show us that we can change and challenge traditional learning. And yes, that's something that at Old Marketing School, we can definitely get behind. This is going to be a jam-packed episode full of information and incredible inspiration for you. 
And it couldn't come at a better time because we have our first cohort of the All Marketing School certification going along the way. I can tell you, we, even as teachers, are learning so much from our students. If you're ready to join us, then put your earplugs in, earbuds, earphones, headphones, whatever you have, or you can just listen to this episode as you are cooking or enjoying yourself. But if you do that, make sure that you have a notepad at the ready because there's going to be loads of incredible exercises and ideas that JJ is going to share with us. And as always, may today's class begin. See, JJ, I was going to give you some goodness and tell you something that I learned. And it goes back to how JJ and I met, dear listener. But then I decided, no, 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 I'm going to share this with the world. The world needs to know. I was going to say to JJ, um, during our Maven course, which is how all marketing school and JJ's cohort course have flourished. That's how we met. So we might touch on that as well. But also they taught us loads of things. And one of the things that I loved and I hated, and I want to hear your opinion, was the quality of the camera for 99% of people. Whilst mine was grainy, half tilted, and you couldn't see my face. So JJ... I actually did listen to, there were loads of bits of advice in the group. And I was like, oh, this sounds like a pain. I actually did the Camo Studio option, which uh, Cam mentioned. <laughs> I want to hear what you think about it and if you, do, if you play with it as well. But this is the reason why I'm so happy with my cam- camera, is my phone right now, and the quality of it. And it was a massive leap. So thanks, Cam House, first and foremost. But also, yeah, I, I bit the bullet and I looked at it and I invested into the pro, set, the, the pro one as well because it has a few more bits. And um, it's great. And I really, really love it. I don't know. That really stuck with me. I don't know if it stuck with you. I was like, mm, maybe I can improve this. That was one of my pet peeves. But yeah, I did that. That is so cool because I was about to do that right now using Camo so minutes ago. And actually this morning I was talking to my girlfriend and I uh, told her, hey, there is this app called Camo that was given to me by Cam, right? So because I have tried it not officially, just testing. But um, I like that you brought that up because if you are advocating for that, then it's got to be good. And by the (laughs) way, I talked to Cam the other day. We We went to have coffee with Cam Hauser. It was amazing. You have to get him into the show, please. He's amazing. Oh, yes, yes, you're right. I need to absolutely do See, see, we're going to get, actually, so Cam was one of our coaches as well, and he's great, and he's really good when it comes to not just confidence on video, which is what he talks about, but also just how to really create engaging events. And even for me that I've been doing online events for a while, it really helped me. So good shout. I wrote it down. I also put the link in the show notes so you can find out more about Cam and about Camel. I mean, genuinely, we didn't rehearse it, did this? I just, I just came up with it because I saw it and I was like, I need to, I need to tell JJ that it's time to go camel. It's time to do it. Um, and I don't think it's necessarily a case of just for anybody who's listening who's like, do I really need to invest time or efforts into better video for my, for my meetings or my events or my courses or whatever? It's not a must, but. There is an element to me, for example, it boosted my confidence a bit because I, everything just looks a bit nicer and I feel more ready to go. So I don't think it's a must, but for me, it really helped me. I don't know how you found as you were playing with camel or you might actually look into using it more, more, but that was the big thing for me. It's just you introducing yourself to somebody and everything looks nicer and there's a different expectations, I think. Hmm. You know, now let's start talking about learning a little bit. And many people think that 
they need to be the expert at something, right? If you're going to, to shoot a, a, an interview that is, or even not even an interview, they want to shoot something that is a headshot and no, I have to get the, the best camera in the market and they may get it, but they don't have concepts, very easy or simple concepts as, as the angle and the lighting and everything, right? So in my case, what I, how I approach that kind of stuff, like you said, the setup right now, if you can see, it's a very simple setup that gives the light and a little bit of depth to the environment where I am right now. And with the environment, with the context, I am reinforcing my own confidence, right? And now with the camera, small detail, not even, a, I will not even buy a camera, but it is the phone. <laughs> so, okay, next step. So keep doing little improvements and based on principles, not on bright, shiny objects in other words. Now I'm gonna actually jump into our icebreaker questions based on this, because we are also gonna talk about learning, which is also one of my favorite topics and it is one of my favorite topics. So, yay. So don't worry, listener, you're in good hands. That's what I'm saying. But I'm going to, sometimes I tweak the icebreaker questions. There's only two JJs. So I'm actually going to slightly change the order and I'm going to kick off with a bit more of a deep question. And I'm going to tailor it to you and to us and say, what is the biggest piece of advice or the business or the biggest um, misconception about learning? And I guess setting habits and learning better that you disagree with and why? I think there's a lot of things that people say you should be doing. And I want to hear if there's something that you disagree with and what that is. Well, we went straight to the jugular fab. <laughs> so many people will, will hate me for saying this, but I have this, my enemy is traditional education. Now, we don't know what is traditional education we are, because we are in, in, inside of the educational system. Now, one of the misconceptions that we may not even realize that we are part of is thinking that a score in a test defines the value of the person or the, the, the title or the degree that you got from school defines your path forever. And that limits many, many uh, possibilities based on an identity that we are clinging to. And a um, clear example of this, if you find someone who is an attorney, let's say, and they will say, no, it's because I'm, I'm bad. I don't do math. I don't do accounting because I'm so bad with that. No, that's the reason I studied law, for example, right? But by telling ourselves that, we may be limiting ourselves from opportunities that may actually integrate with our areas of expertise. Now, I'm not saying that we are good at everything, but I'm saying let's question if the score that you got in your in, at school, in university, defines you as the value of you as a person and also the title. Does the title define your path and your future? It's a good reminder, and I think actually talking in different podcasts actually also in this one about this this very topic in different ways I love it because it reminds us of the fact that there is an element of being able to change and shift in your career or again in your path if necessarily is not even the career side of it and you're not even there yet 
And as you say, it's we feel that it's just a case of our beliefs, which obviously I know is a big part of also what you do and what you talk about. But I love that reminder that a lot of it is also linked to some of the, I guess still we can call them beliefs and some of the things that we bring back from how we learned at school and what we felt was some of the expectations we had. And I'm interested in seeing how this is evolving because I think it, not just with incredible people like yourself, but I think in general, in the more traditional sense, younger generations are more open to it. And I find that this is quite, quite interesting. So I love that you mentioned that because I think it's a good reminder of the limitations that we set on ourselves. And that leads me to the second icebreaker question. If there were no limitation, so I'm trying to connect it really poorly, but no, it doesn't work. So I'm going to ask it straight away. If you weren't doing what you're doing right now, JJ, if you were not helping people learning better, set better habits, if you were not running your podcast, what would be your job instead? What would you do if you could do anything? What would be the job you would do? You know, I am in love with learning and, uh, the job that I'm doing, the, or the labor, the, the work that I'm doing right now is actually externalizing the knowledge that I have acquired and also finding people that are in the top of the top of their games to actually collect information from their minds, extract information and put it in the mind of other people. If I would not be doing this, this sharing of knowledge by myself, I will even double down my time in only consuming. Now, that at some point forces us to share <laughs> which is the funny thing right even though i could not i would not be sharing at this moment at some point i would be forced to actually share because that is when actually learning gets consolidated when we are sharing what we learn and many people are are afraid of, sh- of sharing thinking that um, we are not enough we're not prepared enough we don't know enough to share in my case, I was only consuming information for years, for years without sharing what I knew, because like I said, I thought even the belief, right, was, no, 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 JJ, you don't know yet enough. You have to keep studying. You have to keep learning. And because of that, I, I was st- I'm still helping tech teams, by the way, technology teams, because my background comes from technology. And at that time, I was stuck in that position of not sharing more things that I'm more passionate about because I was scared of what other people were going to say. And also because the other excuse was, I don't know enough. So that is what I would be doing. So the answer is not like ice cream man or something like that. (laughs) Not an ice cream man. God damn it. No, and... You know, I love what you mentioned that when it comes to the sharing piece, because I think it's become more natural these days, and especially recently, because as consumers, we're more prompted to share. And that actually comes more when it comes to marketing again, which obviously, lovely listener, again, hello, welcome. You are more likely a marketer, or you're very interested in a topic, which is in itself a field that is fascinating. Um, I love learning too, unsurprisingly. You don't create a certification if you don't love learning yourself as much as I love teaching, I would say. And uh, marketing really challenges me all the time because there's something new to learn, something new to apply, not just within the fact that it evolves, but within the fact that the different parts of it change constantly. And it's interesting to see and adapt with them. So I know that that's kind of one of my, one of the little reasons why I'm always attached to it and I really enjoy it. And I love that 
you know, the sharing piece that we take for granted because we do it just as sometimes leisure or sometimes just because we're prompted to it actually can be such a pivotal element when it comes to learning better. And I wanted to ask you, you develop your own methodology when it comes to actually learning and optimally learn. See why I did that? And I would love you to explain us a bit more about what that looks like. And obviously we know that sharing is a big piece of air. We understand that there's also beliefs and there's a lot of different pieces. But if you were to give an understanding to somebody like, well, I think people might assume, I think I know how to learn. You know, it's, it's, it's you know, I've, I've been taught how to learn. Right. How can optimal learning show us another way? It's, it's funny that you mentioned that because that is what the majority of the time when I am marketing my program i find people's answers maybe not verbally but you can notice their body language when they get defensive in terms of but i need to learn i i already know how to learn right and that's what i ask do you really know <laughs> right so let's go into this um first i created an optimal self-learning framework which is a set of steps, natural steps that we all go through in our learning process. Because learning is a cognitive process and the majority of the cognitive processes can get streamlined. Clearly, I come from a very tech background and I use several of the techniques that I used in, in processes, in tech processes, streamlined to the cognitive part. And also I use several of the, of the strategies to get teams to become high performance in tech applied to the individual and in, in specifically high performance learners. Let's put it that way. So now let's talk about this framework that I call the cycle of learning or the learning cycle, whichever you want to call it. And it has five elements that are, that are in a cycle and a sixth one which is an overruling one. So let's, let's go first with the five, five first ones. They are consumption or how to consume, consolidate, store, practice, and sharing. So think about a wheel. And the first one is consumption, right? So many people think that information equals knowledge. And that's very interesting because that would say that the majority of information that you consume gets, gets useful or becomes useful. That's not very true, but the ratio and the quality first of the information that we consume is not usually appropriate, which means a lot of time we are spending our hours trying to consume information from the social media and from numbless or mindless sources of information. And once we consume those sources of information, sometimes we don't even use our critical thinking to see if the source of that information is high quality or not. It would be like eating burgers all day long, right? For 30 days. And we know what happens with that <laughs> mindlessly. So Consumption is the first one because that is when we ask ourselves, how often am I consuming information and what's the quality of that information? So in, let's say in my case, for me, working out has been associated, my mind has associated working out with learning 
So that's the reason it's a, it's an emotional link that I have because when I am at the gym or when I am uh, running, I'm listening to a podcast. I'm listening to an audiobook. That's one format, one channel, one channel of information, uh, right? Because we have also books, we have videos, we have documentaries, we have several channels that now we can consume from. It's not only books that you need or a class. No, but instead you can consume many of those ones. Also, two other ones, two other sources of consumption of information that are super underrated are mentors or coaches and also osmosis. So the people that we surround by. And if we don't craft those environments, then likewise information that we get from them is gonna get purged into our into our minds, not mindlessly. And that may be not the kind of information that we want. So that's consumption. Then we have consolidation. And going back to what I was saying, about uh, information does not equal knowledge. Information does not equal knowledge, right? And many people think that they are the same thing, but think about this fact. Um, I don't know how it's in, in, in England at this moment, but here in the US, when you go to a, to a restaurant and one of those chains and they say, first step, you have stages, step one, step two, and step three. Step one is pick your protein. Step two, pick your veggies, pick your, pick, pick your salad, blah, blah, blah. Step one, two, and three. But think about this, pick your protein. What do they mean, right? So my case is protein. Are they talking about whey powder? Are they talking about vegan protein? What are you talking about? What they are talking about, it is beef or chicken or turkey, let's say. But if protein equals those produces or, or, or beef, let's say, then does that mean that if I go to the supermarket and I ask, give me potassium, 12 units of potassium, are someone going to hand me bananas? I don't think so, right? <laughs> what it happens is that, yeah, meat contains protein, but it's not equal to protein. We need to ingest it and our body is going to de deconstruct this this nourishment that we had in order to extract protein from it, like with bananas, right? And so the next part, which is consolidation in this learning cycle is how do we extract or what are the most important pieces of information that later we can become or transform into knowledge. So examples of those ones, principles of any area that you are learning, strategies, tactics, stories. So those pieces that you extract from this massive amount of information that you have consumed before, those ones are what we can start calling knowledge. And those pieces are going to be part of the next uh, parts of the cycle. So far, are you, are you following me or did I lose you? I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. I'm, I'm, I'm riding the little wheel. I'm riding, I, I do love the, the mention of potassium banana. You almost lost me there, but I go back on track and I was ready to roll. Nice. <laughs> so we got our concepts, concepts, principles, strategies, the parts of the information that really are important from any topic, right? So the next part is storing or what I call storing is, is another way to say memory because we have to decode the information in our brains and then decode or retrieve the information. And 
about that, there are plenty of uh, memory techniques and ways to make it accessible specifically, or you want to retrieve information at the right time. If you're going to take a test, you don't want to remember the answer of, for the question after the test. You want to get it at the moment, at the moment of the test. Or if you're a surgeon and you are in the middle of, of cutting someone's body, you say like, what side was it? What was the pain? No, no, no. You want that surgeon to remember specifically at that time what he's supposed to do. And that comes from, from um, different strategies that we have to, to, to uh, consolidate or sorry, to memorize those kind of pieces that we named knowledge, right? Principles, strategies, tactics. So storing our memory techniques in other words. We can talk about that oof, the entire podcast, <laughs> but let's keep moving on to the next one. And the next one is critical because so far we have consumed, consolidated and stored information. But if you think you know, air quote, know something, you will be lying to yourself. You will be fooling yourself. That is called, that's what I call the knowledge mirage. When you think you got it and you grab it and you're like, oh my God, I know I do not have it. <laughs> right? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how many books you read about riding bicycles. And it doesn't matter how many YouTube videos and channels and documentaries you watch about riding bicycles. It, unless you get yourself on a bicycle and try it yourself. And, and this is the key. Fab, this is the key. So between storing and practice, which is the fourth element, it seems that this is a very simple change, but actually this is a massive, massive jump that we need to make because there is a bridge, a gap, a huge gap. And the only way to cross the gap between the theory to the practice is through failure. Now, little problem. Majority of the people have a negative emotional association with the perception of failing. And we think that failing, whether it's a test or that someone tells us that we're not doing the right thing, diminishes our value as humans. So in my case, what I did is this. The word fail to, means, to me, it means fast acquisition of important lessons. Fail, fast acquisition of important lessons. You know so, what? I'm going to interrupt you for a second and then we'll go back. Perfect. I just want to say, you basically, if you lost anyone listening, as soon as you started using acronym, JJ, you bring the marketers back. They're like, OMG. So you're helping them reframe and adding an acronym. Marketers are going to be just like screaming at the rooftops. They're going to be like listening on a run. They're going to trip over. They have to pull over because they're going crazy. So yeah, love it. <laughs> Anyway, let's go back Thank to it. You. But no, I, I I love it. I love the reframing. And yeah, marketers love acronyms. I know it's a stereotype, but I'm going to go there. Thanks. And this is actually some, um, some of the most powerful concepts that people that go through our programs love because they never thought about reframing something that we don't like, right? And um, that failure or that perception, you need to go through failure. But failure doesn't need to be something completely negative. It can be something that helps you to get into practice mode. 
And once you get into practice, then you are bypassing or you are, you are actually going through this mirage into actual knowledge, into actual knowing what you are talking about. Initially, you're going to fail for sure, which is okay. And then you're going to build up upon that. And then once you start getting very confident about your own capacity, not only in terms of learning something that is tangible, like a language or playing an instrument, but also you can do something like marketing. How do you fail at marketing? Think about that, right? And the quicker that you can fail, obviously, not talking about massive failure. I'm talking about micro smart failures, right? How can you create campaigns, for example, quick campaigns to learn something from, from the theory that you have learned? Oh, this email marketing campaign, theoretically, it's going to work. Let's put it to test, right? But let's not invest hundreds of hours in doing this. Or this other uh, Facebook ad campaign, let's not invest 10,000K in our first try. That's a bad idea, right? <laughs> so let's learn, let's be smart about failure. And then, once you have acquired practice, the next part and the last one in this five um, stages wheel is sharing because sharing is caring. Not only caring for other people, but also for ourselves. And there is this saying that it says, when one, one teaches to learn, that's so true because I would not be able to explain all of these things that I'm explaining to you, Fab, unless I would have done them myself and I would have failed many times to refine this thing. So now I feel confident in explaining this kind of metaphors and stuff like that, because over time I have refined my thought process around learning, like in other topics I could have done. So this is, the, I would say that's a final test to, to make sure that we know what we are talking about or not yet, yet, that is the key. Now I have, I have a question that I really wanna get into, but I'm also curious about the sixth step that you said is that, but it's not mm -hmm. that, but it's the sixth. Can you just tell us a bit more about that? And then I'll go back to a couple of things you mentioned, but I, I'm just curious now. Sure. So the five elements from the learning cycle, like I said, consumption, consolidation, storage, practice, sharing. Those five elements are called the learning mechanics, right? And we can optimize each piece at a time, if you think about it. Each piece can get optimized. But this is the key. Success in learning comes only 20% from the mechanics. Only 20% of the learning success comes from mechanics. The remaining 80% comes from the mindset. And that is where, that's the sixth element in this optimal self-learning framework. Because unless we start creating new beliefs and learning beliefs that do not work anymore, creating habits and getting the habit of learning because it's a mental thing more than a practical thing, um, things are not going to work. We're not going to even start with consumption. It's like, oh, where can I find that? I never find the information, right? So many people say that. Oh, where can I find the answer for that? And in my, in my mind, I think, Google person, person Google. Good to meet you. See ya. Right? Or, oh, no, but I'm afraid of practice, of, of failure. That's also mindset. The other one is, I don't have good memory. 
No, it's not that you don't have a good memory. You were never taught memory techniques. Very likely, right? So asking ourselves debunking questions around the beliefs that we had in each one of these five elements, I would say that is the key. I love it. It's almost... It's almost helping you, helping yourself identifying and almost dodging potential sabotages that might come along our way. Because actually my other question going through all of them, it's kind of interesting. I can see myself, you probably have loads of students like this, being the perfectionist who goes into the practice. That's how I learn best. I know that that's, that's the stage of the learning that for me kind of really consolidate things. And then I get stuck into perfectionism. And that's what it's like to do, 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 do. And then I'm like, I can actually finish this, consolidate to get it right, practice, and then move on. I'm like, well, but let me, let me figure that out again. Let me make this a bit better. And I do it not just with learning, I do it with a lot of other things, but that kind of led me to think about the question. I was like, I, I can see myself in some of the beliefs and the patterns I have around one stage. And you mentioned the other few things that people say and students have said to you. So my question would be, is there one, out of these five different steps mainly let's let's just keep the mindset because as you say if it fits within all of them but all these five steps is the one that you see people naturally before they come to you either not avoid but they're not really taught to do that and they're not really um, experiencing doing it because I believe that some of these steps might feel not not obvious but people are like no I can see that that's the first thing I do but is there any of these actually you noticed that was more of a surprise for your students to learn about and actually to start implementing? Because then it can really help people seeing the gaps within their own set systems as well. Hmm. Um, that's a twofold answer on my side. One of them is on the mindset part that touches specifically one of the elements is a practice. Uh, we have been conditioned, that's the word, we have been trained to first uh, get as much theory as we can and then jump into practice. But we can fool ourselves getting more and more theory and more and more theory. And once you have done through that, get more and more theory, which happened to me so many, so many times. I'm not prepared enough. That's the, 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 the belief, core belief at this one. So fooling ourselves through consumption of information instead of jumping into practice as quickly as possible, obviously in a safe manner, like I said. Um, like you, Fab, I myself also learn through practice. And uh, now I combine a little bit of finding the, the, the most relevant principles with um, practice, in almost immediate practice. So it's just in, just in time learning, right? Just in time, only the things that you need and then practice. Just in time what you need and practice. Then the second part of that answer goes along the, the, the asking question part, which is consumption. Our cognitive process works not based on affirmations, but instead of that, it works based on questions. And what it happened, and let me know if it happened to you or any in the audience, is when we, were at, when we were kids, maybe you were at school and uh, you did not understand something. So you raise your hand and you say, what was the meaning of this thing? Whatever, right? And people look at you or teacher looks at you with this 
phase that. What? What are you talking about? And uh, you should know that that judgment, oof, that judgment, it's so, so devastating for some people. And because of that, they stopped asking questions because they don't want to feel um, diminished. They don't want to feel bad. They don't want to look like fools. And Fab, I've seen this in people in their early teen years, as well in 65-ish people that were in meetings, big meetings. They had decades of experience in professional work. And because they said something and the other ones just jiggled, <laughs> they stopped asking questions. So that is one of the things that our students, when they, when they realize that they are free to ask what I call dumb questions, that's liberating for them. And, and let me give you a tip on this. Look at this thing. This is a smartphone, right? So if you say, okay, Google, what is, and you fill in the question, it doesn't matter how dumb the question is, Google is not going to say, oh, you're so silly, <laughs> right? It's not going to say that. <laughs> or you should know that, JJ. It's never going to judge you. And one of the exercises that we do is grab your phone, whether it's a Siri or a Google Assistant that you have, and ask this, the dumbest questions that you can ask about the topic that you want to learn. And over time, you get so confident, so confident, fam, that you go back to be this curious kid that you have always been paired up with tech and with strength and uncertainty as, as an adult. I love that because actually, funnily enough, I was thinking, <clears throat> excuse me, that's marketers. One of the things that I encourage our students as well, especially through, through the things that we learn when it comes to the certification, but in general, whenever I run a marketing workshop somewhere, I always remind people of the power of asking questions and this is not from a learning perspective, it's more from understanding your audience and understanding how to obviously decode their answers. So this is obviously a different scenario, but it just reminds you that by posing the question, you're actually able to then understand what is missing and also kind of what you need to kind of fill that gap with. And again, once we were talking about the, the judgment or the pressure that you were put where when you ask the question, I think it's sad but it's true because you see it almost comes to a certain age you ask all the questions you want and you get answers because it's like well you don't know why this is this and there's a bit of more acceptance and you're right then it comes as a weird switch like nobody asks for it but it just happens and it's like well enough with questions you should know this and I think mm -hmm. sometimes saying you should know this can be really harmful especially when it comes to context obviously <laughs> But um, when it comes to that learning experience, so I love that you mentioned that. I have one more quick question, just because hey, we need to give we need to give the audience what they want. No, but I know that people like to kind of see some things like little ex exercise of asking Google or Siri or whatever the dumbest question. But you talked about memory techniques, and I'm pretty sure there are different ones, and you support mm -hmm. the students with the ones that work best for them. But just because, as you say, some people. Actually, 99% of people listening are going to be like, oh, the memory got worse or I'm struggling to retain information or I'm struggling to memorize. So can we give them just one example of some of the techniques that you talk, just one, just to give them an idea of what can work, maybe something that is not 
as obvious. Not that I can think of anything obvious, but you know, just shake them up a bit. We were giving a workshop on memory techniques a few weeks ago. And one of the most asked questions is, how can I remember um, small stuff like day-to-day -day stuff, daily stuff, even doing groceries or, and then you don't have your phone and you don't want to write and you're simply lazy and you don't want to write things down or whatever, right? It doesn't matter. So one of the, the quickest techniques that I, that I use in my day-to-day -day and, and the majority of the students liked a lot, and by the way, it's also used for a lot in public speaking is called the memory palace. So think about this. You know, do you know that one thought? Have you ever heard about that? It's super nice because this is such this is such a fun exercise. Think about this, guys. You think about your bedroom. You spend in your bedroom hours, or maybe it's not hours, but it's been it's been several years that you have spent there. So you can get there, even close your eyes and kind of know where things are. Unless it's all a mess, right? But no, the bed is not going to move. The bed is there. The TV is there. The night table is there, whatever. So those big items will not move, right? So think about this. Open the, the, the door of your bedroom and look for five items or five places, locations within that bedroom that are very easy to pinpoint in your memory. Let's say bed number one, window number two, night table three, the desk four, and I don't know, a picture number five, the picture on the wall, right? So have that as your initial five in memory elements. They are not going to move. So when you need to remember something, let's say, let's say you have to do groceries and uh, you need to buy bananas and you have to buy chicken, you know, protein, like we said, and you have to buy yogurt. So now this is the part that becomes funny because you can use your imagination to place items in each one of these five elements. And the funnier, the crazier, the naughtier, the whatever you want to call it, the, the, the more horrific thing that you can think, imagine with those elements in, in those positions, in those locations, the easier for you to remember them because you will walk through those elements from left to right, right? It was bed, window, night table, desk, and, and um, picture on the wall. So let's, let's say the, the bananas are, you have a bunch of bananas in your, in your, in your, on your bed and you, and you find yourself kind of swimming into the bananas. I'm just using my imagination, right? So the, the scene has to cause an emotional impact on you to be memorable. And I will explain why I'm talking about this. Then the, the part of the window and uh, we were talking about chicken. And you can see some, there's a chicken that was thrown over the window and it crashed the window. And you listen to the sound of the, of the crystal getting shattered, right? Say, and the more, elements of your senses that you engage, the more you're going to remember that thing that is important. And you can use this with anything. I just gave you groceries, right? But usually for public speaking, you will get your main concepts and you will place them in your memory palaces. And memory palaces, I gave you five locations. You can use even, I have memory palaces of 40, 60 locations. 
And when I'm going to give a talk, then I place my important concepts there. And it's super funny to walk through that. Now, um, a book that I would suggest and a TED talk actually is called um, Moonwalking with Einstein by Joshua Fowler. F-O-E-R is his last name. And his TED talk is one of the most viewed tech talk, TED talks related to memory. I would highly recommend to use that because it makes life so much fun. JJ, thank you so, so much for joining us. Thank you for your time, for your wisdom. Thank you for making us be better learners already. Now we've got to actually implement some of that. And obviously, if we need help, we also can ask for your help. So if people want to find out more about you, where shall we direct them? Well, you can find me in jjruescas.com, jjruescas.com. And from there, same thing, uh, social media and YouTube, youtube.com slash jjruescas, Instagram, same thing, Facebook, Twitter, all the social media. And um, even though the majority of my content at this moment is in Spanish, I work with many, many people in English and um, I'm super happy to, to keep sharing this and also learning from you guys. That's, that's, that's the beauty of, of what I do. Thank you so much for listening. Head to oldmarketingschool.com to find out more about the topics that we covered in this week's class. If you want to make your teachers happy, then hop onto iTunes and leave us a five-star review. Oh, and don't forget to spread the love on Instagram at Old Marketing School. Until next time.